0: We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas.
1: We wish you a Merry Christmas and a fucked up New Year.
0: Oh, you (laughs) crazy guy.
1: Am I a bad person? I like Christmas.
0: You're a bad egg.
1: Have you you got Christmas plans, Victoria?
0: Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to family. Hold on. I'm going to cough. I'm going oh to family, God. so driving. Alert. Driving from isolating. the countryside. <laughs> oh, that's anyway. so yesterday. No one cares about that. <laughs> anyway, that's coming from a spreader.
1: I am a super spreader. I went to Are London you? yesterday. Had a really boozy night out with all my pals.
0: <coughs> Were you? So I that's presume. The best cough
1: like in marriage. Married, you weren't... Marriage. Have you no. boosted? No, I'm boosting on Tuesday.
0: You haven't boosted, and you're around spreading your bits of globular globble all over people. <laughs>
1: Was that that was for you?
0: Oh, at least you didn't do it straight into your microphone.
1: No, I didn't want to get phlegm all over the microphone, did I? All the phlegmy wemmy woo.
0: Well, you're safe where you are now. You're not am, safe in your house. I'm
1: isolated up in Cambridgeshire. No one's getting to me with their COVID lurgy. Mm. Oh, I don't. I'm not getting anyway.
0: it now. I'm not. I know you don't care. I don't care. I don't see why you care so much about stupid mask. I forget it's Well, I don't forget it's there.
1: I don't care about stupid mask. I only wear them because you have to. Yeah, I mean, but these... you hate
0: them, don't you? I do
1: hate them. I, I I do dislike them intensely for all sorts of reasons.
0: But what's to hate? It stops you from getting like a respiratory thing, which can be quite bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. I, okay, I, I'm not massively convinced by their efficacy although I acknowledge they probably have a small impact and what I hate about them is much more that they make you feel cut off socially and that people can't see my very mobile mouth move when I'm talking
0: (laughs) you have absolutely minimal mouth movement MMM to the extent where I don't even know you were talking when I'm looking right at you (laughs)
1: <laughs> well you suddenly decided this thing? I, I think it's not a thing.
0: I've only just realised that's what it is. <laughs> You're forever making conclusions about people. Um, that's true. You, I'm you very constantly judgmental. make. Yeah, you do. You are judgy wudgy <laughs> Judgy wudgy
1: <Judgy-wudgy-wudgy-wudgy. laughs>
0: Talking, talking of that, we've got more galane. We've we got a super galane episode for you. You're jizzy delight, everyone.
1: We are. We're jizzastic.
0: <laughs> and we've got um. Ben's the hitman, and her and I'm her.
1: <laughs> Except we're not exactly. It's the hitman <laughs> website, which is quite yeah. funny.
0: we'll we'll throw it out later, just in case uh, you want to get a hit out on anyone. Uh, we've boom, got boom. all the knowledge on that, haven't we? We've got we all have, the lowdown, as they say, yeah. on the ho down <laughs> from
1: Plymouth. Ho ho ho. ho
0: ho ho! Merry
1: Christmas,
0: Vicky Ward. Sticky Vicky.
1: As honestly, you I, never said I, that I, to I, her.
0: You just were trying to make her look at your guns. That was so. You were being so embarrassing.
1: Was I? Yeah, I'm she was like,
0: "Oh, all sort of. Oh, I'm not sure whether I want to be on camera." You were like, "Look at me in my in my sportswear." <laughs> oh i thought you said gums
1: it. as in teeth gums
0: and then and then the american woman came on the line and you were like what did you say you were like yeah okay great like taking the mickey <laughs> awesome i think i said awesome <laughs> and i was like oh just stop being embarrassing dad
1: <laughs> well i am embarrassing dad <laughs> but you're That's also sort shtick. of
0: like everyone thinks this is funny <laughs>
1: And is to it, some yeah, but, uh, extent,
0: they go along with you. But, it's,
1: but that's what we do to them. And what they do to us is say, hey, you're from Britain. Do you know my cousin in Manchester?
0: Well, she must be over that. She's quite Americanized, isn't she? Oh, Vicky. Vicky. Yeah,
1: Vicky's a Brit. I mean, but I was thinking more of the assistant. <laughs> she didn't the quite editor. know what
0: to make. She didn't even want to speak, did she? <laughs> well,
1: I, I, I think, I think she very much knows that her place is simply to support Vicky in her endeavours. Well,
0: that cut off jaybury short then. Well, no, it's true, though, isn't
1: it? I mean... Yeah.
0: You know. Yes. <laughs> it's okay, Ben. Slap it oh. down. Oh, wow. Um, your new glasses have got, like, side transparent bits, as well as really shiny front bits.
1: Yes, they have. They're less glassage. They're, no, the, the shiny front bits, because they reflect... They don't allow UV light. They're, they're kind of like some kind of blue light protection or something. I don't know. But my eyes are getting really tired sitting in front of a computer screen doing like design work all the time and some and writing and stuff and so this
0: have you hired a person yet
1: no we haven't but we might (laughs) be about to we might be about to they ran away from the interview we're meeting someone the day after tomorrow with a view to hiring and then firing you're fired
0: male or female
1: have we hired a female
0: male or female oh
1: male male it's a male it's a male on, it's mo- this is a fucking model train business. Of course it's a male. They're all borderline Asperger's lonely masturbators.
0: <laughs> oh, well, there's your intro done.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. That's how we're going to pitch it.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. Although, <laughs> aren't we all at heart?
1: Want to join the lonely masturbators company?
0: <laughs> That's what I'm doing here, isn't it?
1: Yeah, quite. I'm
0: talking about the day I fell in love with masturbating. I'm Victoria Mitzi. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a very sociable... Heterosexual masturbator. masturbator. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my my name is Ben Ando. I used to be a BBC correspondent, but now I'm basically a lonely masturbator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> still basking in the shadows. <laughs>
1: yeah. Every day, every day that passes, that sort of wanes ever so slightly. I know,
0: but no, you're still trying... No, it's two years.
1: In fact, today... no. In two days' time, it will be two years since I did my last BBC shift, (laughs) and I was reporting that day on the Duke of Edinburgh being rushed to hospital.
0: Oh, yes. Was that um, after he'd had his crush?
1: uh, No, he was, I think, it uh, probably one of those urinary tract infections that make you, as they say in succession, piss mad. (laughs) (laughs)
0: What does that (laughs) mean?
1: Oh, come on, have you not watched Succession? no oh it's hilarious so there's this big media vocal who had a urinary tract infection and he was sort of like a wow wow and his children were just saying oh he's gone piss mad he's got a urinary does that mean infection. you have to piss all the time no well it's because i think they say that um, having urinary tract infections can affect your mental health and make you a bit too lally oh really Hence, i've had a
0: few of those Piss
1: mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you're always mad not just piss mad
0: I'm shitty mad. Anyway, nobody
1: wants to hear about your urinary tract and how infected it is.
0: No, we want to hear about the Duke of Edinburgh's urinary tract. I think mine's more marginally more attractive than his. Well, I'm well, just picking myself up, now, as you said well, the now other his day. His is slightly
1: decomposing. I suspect it probably is.
0: What mine? Is that what the smell is? <laughs> 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 oh, Ghislaine, Ghislaine. what you do to us? <laughs>
1: Oh, Seriously, Ghislaine, Ghislaine, are... you're we... never the same. How did you, come away, from... <laughs> How did you come away from that?
0: Who do we blame? <laughs> How did you come away from that? Chill
1: Blaine. <laughs> oh, no, Ghislaine can't go to court. She's got a chill Blaine.
0: <laughs> she, she should have thought of that one.
1: It's an eternal flame.
0: I don't think she's very funny. Do you? You
1: think she voted Remain? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think Ghislaine is very funny?
0: Yeah, I bet she's not very funny.
1: You don't think she's got a great sense
0: of humour? No, I don't think it says that on her Tinder. you allowed to be on Tinder in prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, keeps matching me with the next cell. I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs>
1: she swiped everything.
0: <laughs> she swiped the floor. Well, her
1: dad swiped everything, didn't He, he swiped all the pension funds.
0: <laughs> Very good. And now... Will she be swiped or not? Will it be right or left for Jizzy?
1: And, well, the interesting thing about her trial at the moment for sex trafficking charges in the United States is that, first of all, it hasn't lasted nearly as long as everybody expected. It's coming to a close. and rarely
0: happens, doesn't it?
1: And we have been talking to Vicky Ward, who has been in court every day, but also not just recovering the story as a journalist, but also kind of has a personal link to Jizzy Jizz. I mean, she sort of, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of moved in the same orbits for a while, as far as I can tell from what Vicky told us. So are going to be—that
0: makes it sound they were like they were in space together.
1: They were. They were <laughs> in a hamster- each other. one of those
0: hamster balls that as you go around. In-
1: <laughs> as they flew into Jeffrey Hepstein's black hole.
0: Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's where everyone didn't want to be.
1: <laughs> Absolutely
0: fascinating.
1: She was. I
0: loved her. And I hate the fact that I get so excited about guests, but I do kind of pick them. So I pick them because I'm slightly falling in love with them. By the time I've listened to them, I completely hook, line and sinker.
1: Is that the same um, sort of tactic you use when it comes to boyfriends as well?
0: I don't. I think um, that might be we might be back to the black hole topic
1: again <laughs> black all of the Victoria's love
0: life <laughs> I'm all or nothing I'm afraid oh, and that's what I'm doing here with you oh. <laughs> I used nothing. to be all now I'm nothing <laughs> right Um. what I thought Vicky was interesting about mainly was her connections to them I really wanted I didn't want to interrupt her very much and she's quite a good orator she should wind her up and watch her go she oh, can talk yeah. can't she she can you know, talk she's great yeah, that is great if someone's got something to say, and she has. And I kind of wanted a little bit more, you know, has she had Botox and fillers, that kind of stuff. What, Vicky? No, no, about Jizzy.
1: <laughs> but she did
0: give us the stuff about her appearance and yeah. the surprises about that, which she'll get on to. And that kind of, you know, bumping into her at a baby shower stuff. Yeah. I can't get enough of that. Yeah. That's the lady stuff. Is that lady stuff? That's lady stuff, but also the way that the trial's quite surprising yeah. and the way it's been presented, which perhaps you picked up on, isn't the most fair way of interpreting a situation or these situations that need judging.
1: Mm. No, it's it's been interesting. I, think, I mean, I think it's interesting. The defence has um, wrapped so soon. And the big thing, um, which we'll talk about after we've heard from Vicky, is about Ghislaine uh, Maxwell herself um, and whether she gives evidence, but we'll come on to that later.
0: Oh, good, aren't you snazzy, well, Mr. Snazzy, Daddy <sighs> Snaz? <laughs> Let's hear it from the woman herself, uh, Vicky Ward, investigative journalist, joining us from New York, chasing Ghislaine fame, and actually they've just kicked off streaming on Discovery Plus. Here's Vicky. We're joined today by Vicky Ward, journalist and executive producer of Chasing Ghislaine on Discovery+. Plus. Hi Vicky, thank you for joining us. Thank you
2: so much for having me.
0: (laughs) Right, Ben, is it okay with you if I kick off?
1: Yeah, of course it is. You always ask the best
0: questions. Well, I think the first one is just an obvious one. The trial of Ghislaine Maxwell that has had a three-day hiatus, am I right at the moment? It has, the judge has had a scheduling conflict,
2: um, which is actually very significant because the prosecution wrapped after only two weeks, which uh, surprised a lot of people. They, you know, when they had been planning this trial, they had said they planned to go at least a week longer. And the reason now that it's very significant that the judge has had the scheduling conflict and a delay for three days before the defense begins is that the defense have said they anticipate taking two to three days, after which the judge has said she wants closing arguments to be ready uh, from both sides, which means, you know, as was pointed out, in court at the end of last week by Ghislaine Maxwell's defense team by head of chief defense lawyer, Bobby Sternham, that there is a chance, a a very, very big chance, that uh, this jury could be given four hours before they break for the Christmas holidays um, to decide the verdict. And, you know, because they, now when they were, when they were selected, one of the conditions they had to agree to was that they would be prepared to sit for a few days through uh, New Year's Eve and then through, you know, into the beginning of January. But you can imagine that if you were a juror and you thought, oh, well, great, I can get out of here and not come back, <laughs> and and the defence has said, um, you know, that this presents them. They believe that this is to their disadvantage. Um, I mean, I guess I've, I've talked to various lawyers. People say you could argue it both ways. You know, who who does not who does a very quick decision benefit? Um, but the government definitely were pressing the judge to move on and she at the moment she's you know she, she listened and she's taking everything under consideration but it is an issue. Do
1: you think Vicky that, that we're in the bizarre situation where a hugely important case that's involved um some quite harrowing testimony and has impi- impacted lots of people's lives is almost going to be cited primarily on the the basis of how the court has been managed rather than the evidence?
2: That's a great question. Um, not, not on how the court's been managed, but on how people have presented themselves in the courtroom. Um, yes, in the sense that <clears throat> you are absolutely right, Ben, there has been really harrowing um, testimony. So, if you, uh, you know, so that, that, that there is a lot of smoke to use a cliche, that it clearly demonstrates that Jeffrey Epstein was a sick, abusive, horrible criminal, and that he did, you know, abuse children. But there is no smoking gun that really puts that we've that we've yet been shown. That uh, says that Ghislaine Maxwell, after all, whose trial this is, it isn't Jeffrey Epstein's. Um, that that very definitively puts her in in the room, or um, you know, telling any of these women, well, now you need to get on a plane uh, to go with Jeffrey to end up being sexually abused by him. There's been testimony that has put her in the room with them and with him. But the defense has then come back and said, well, two years ago, when we were asking you about Jeffrey Epstein, you said Ghislaine Maxwell wasn't in the room or you didn't mention Ghislaine Maxwell. And so when I say there's no smoking gun, but that's the problem, it's going to come down to, who do you believe? Um, so in that sense, you, you are right. Are are the jury going to believe the accusers or have the defense, um, have these defense lawyers sort of turn the accusers' own words given to the FBI and given to prosecutors two years ago against them uh, when the prosecutors were going after somebody different? It's very, it's, it's, that's why this trial is much more complicated than that of, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, you know, all the the big sexual abuse cases that we've seen. It's complicated by the fact that the, the, the person these prosecutors were originally going after is dead.
1: Is it your sense, Vicky, that if Jeffrey Epstein was still alive and hadn't managed to kill himself in prison, Ghislaine Maxwell wouldn't even be on trial?
2: Well, you know, as I've sort of just said, the issues, the problems with putting Ghislaine Maxwell on trial are, I think, exactly what I've just described. It's because the fact that prosecutors were going after Jeffrey Epstein, which has led these witnesses to say one thing about Ghislaine Maxwell two to three years ago and something else now, obviously weakens their case. Um, so, you know, and given, and, and but, but you know, if you were the government, you're in a jam, right? Because um, once you lose Jeffrey Epstein, um, you've got all these horrific sex crimes against uh, minors that, that's, uh, you know, and if no one is held accountable, Basically, uh, they haven't been—they—they they haven't had any justice. So um, the whole thing, um, I think, is a problem. I mean, I think the other thing that, in a way, is troubling about this trial is that you know and I understand why the government has to do this. The charges are very narrow, so the picture that we're getting of Glenn Maxwell and of Jeffrey Epstein is a very, very narrow one. We're, we're almost, it's almost like we're confined. We're in that massage room. Um, we're in that Palm Beach house where these horrible things um, were going on. And you hear fleetingly, um, you know, either from the pilot's testimony you know all these famous names of guys. You know Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Prince Andrew. Um, yeah. We even had you know the pictures of Jeffrey Epstein with the Pope <laughs> and uh, Fidel Castro, which was um, new to me. But but what this trial is not doing is not focusing on any of that. Is is not uh, even bothering to explain why this man who had to have three massages a day, often from underage uh, children, um, what it was about him that drew uh, these very influential, powerful men to him. And the reason that you know, I think that's troubling is because the men, the rich, powerful men are the people who funded Jeffrey Epstein. And without his money, he couldn't have done any of this. You know, in the 1980s, when he was living in a one-bedroom apartment on the East 60s in Manhattan, the people who knew him then never saw any evidence that he was uh, abusing kids. He had girlfriends, you know, beautiful girlfriends, but they were adults. And so it's once he gets all this money, and it's also once Ghislaine Maxwell is publicly in his life, in some sort of role that I have to tell you, I still don't understand. Having listened to uh, you know all the testimony in this trial so far, but once that happens, once he has these shangri-las, these his islands, these vast mansions to retreat to, that's when all this nasty stuff begins. And so, if you're me, you're wondering, well, hang on, why don't we hear? You know, I, I want to hear more about these men. Why were they hanging around him? Why did they want to pay him all this money? We still don't know the answer to that. Um, and now I understand this the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell is very specifically about her and I understand why they're keeping it so narrow. But for me, who made a documentary series about Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, precisely because I saw her as a gateway to, to what I call the invisible men, this whole sort of socio-ecosystem that had propped him up and supported this criminal enterprise. It's kind of maddening, actually, that uh, no one else seems to be being held to account.
0: What has being in court and listening to the evidence, the experience of being in court, made you feel or learn about that, you know, the being the key to these shadowy figures behind Epstein and the wealth. Um, Has it given you more insight?
2: No, (laughs) that's the frustrating thing, is that, you know, you sit in court and we're really being given these um, snapshots in the testimony that is very focused on, the individual experiences each of these um, accusers have had when at a very young age. So they may have glimpsed, say one of them said that she was on a plane with Prince Andrew. Um, but that's the only uh, sort of mention you'll get. And you and the life, because, because it's focused on these four accusers, and then people who can back up what they say, we've had, we've got a little bit of a sense of, uh, from the, the general manager of the house in Palm Beach, um, that Epstein would go there on weekends, that he would rotate. You know, he shared a bedroom with Gillen Maxwell, and yet he would often invite other women and he would take, the butler was instructed to take down all photographs of Maxwell and, but <laughs> which so that whoever was staying with him for that weekend wouldn't have to look at them I mean it you know he, 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 I mean he, you know which again you're left scratching your head going what what was this relationship really based on I mean I mean clearly she put up with a lot or, or he Brilliantly deceived. Her. I mean, we're going to hear what the defence has to say about that. Um, but but basically, we're getting we're getting an up close and personal screenshot of Jeffrey Epstein's horrible sex life. Is what we're getting. We're not getting the bigger context.
0: But you'd met them, <laughs> yes, years ago, yes. and then proceeded to hear from the the earliest accounts of this abuse. Uh, Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so as you can hear, uh, I grew up in England um, and moved to America in 1997 in my mid twenties with my then husband. And the, Ghislaine Maxwell was somebody who would drop in and drop out of sort of expat um, parties. And she was this, you know, very glamorous woman who, you know, would sort of uh, have stories of exotic trips with very famous people. You know, she talked about Henry Kissinger, and Bill Clinton. And, and you know, you, I never, you know, so I, I would meet her with my then husband at these events. And, you know, she was somebody who drew people to her. She, she was quite outrageous. She did you know, she liked to talk about sex a lot. And I remember at that time, all the guys thought that that was very cool. Um, she was sort of deliberately outrageous, but you also got the sense that her life um, was very well-funded. I must. I, I. I. do remember thinking to myself. Well, hang on. Where. Where does your money come from? Because we all know what happened to your father. Um, you know, you're not supposed to have any money. Um, and she clearly didn't seem to have a nine to five job of any <laughs> future. Um And but she was this very worldly. She was very quick witted. Um, sort of magnet who in a social situation drew people, people wanted to talk to her, Uh, people wanted to be in her orbit, but there was no sign whatsoever of a boyfriend um, in the late 1990s. You know, she would either show up at these things completely by herself, and she seemed perfectly comfortable with that, or there would, from time to time, be some random guy. You never quite knew what was going on, but, you know, I mean, it you know did didn't seem it seemed like she could have dated anybody so it wasn't that surprising. But what was surprising was when I was then assigned to write an article for Vanity Fair about Jeffrey Epstein, who I'd never heard of. He wasn't someone who appeared, whose name appeared in the press, not even in the financial press. He was this Great Gatsby type figure who lived in this absolutely enormous townhouse in New York. Was known he had this island known he had this huge ranch in new mexico these big planes but nobody knew anything about him nobody knew you know, he didn't go out at night they just they just they didn't know how he would got all this money um they just knew that a lot of wealthy people seemed to go to dinner with him um in the whatever they talked about or whatever went on there was, was not much discussed. It was like a sort of private club. And so I was tasked with uh, finding out who he really was and where all this extraordinary wealth had, had come because it seemed to come kind of very quickly and out of nowhere. And <clears throat> as soon as I began reporting, I was very surprised to hear that he and Ghislaine Maxwell had had or did still have some sort of complicated one-sided relationship that none of her friends and my sources quite understood. Um, They all thought that uh, after her father died, leaving her in financially dire straits, um, he had very much taken her under his wing and that um, you know he and she had definitely been romantically involved for a little bit. But the general impression people had in 2002 when I was reporting was that they remained very much entwined but that, uh, and that she was desperately in love with him, but <clears throat> that he was not desperately in love with her and they lived separately Certainly, in New York, they'd always lived separately, and he quite blatantly dated lots of other people. Um, but she clung on uh, in the hope that he was going to come to his senses, get married, and have children with her. I mean, that was that was the story that was uh, presented to me, and the the only thing that happened quite early on in my reporting that made me question that was. I happened to bump into her at a baby shower and she clearly didn't want to see me but as she was leaving you know I we had a very brief conversation and I said oh Gillen, you know I am doing I'm sure you know I am reporting this article about Jeffrey Epstein but I, I wouldn't imagine I'll need to phone you because um, uh, you know it's about his money and she started to cry, which I did think was a very strange reaction to me telling her that I was interested in pursuing um, Jeffrey Epstein's money. And I did think, well, hang on, why on earth would she care? Um, It did seem very odd. I obviously then did find these two sisters, Maria and Annie Farmer, Uh, Annie obviously testified For the government last week. And, you know, they had told me stories, um, you know, of of abuse by Jeffrey Epstein. Annie Farmer, you know, said exactly what she said in court last week that when she was 16 um, and her sister, her older sister Maria, was working for Jeffrey, he had promised to help pay for a trip abroad that would help beef up her resume she was applying to universities, but that he'd said he wanted to get to know her better. So she'd flown to New Mexico for a weekend, expecting to find lots of other teenagers. He said it was sort of going to be some sort of retreat. Instead, she found Jessica Len Maxwell, uh, who she had never met, and uh, Jeffrey Epstein, and that, you know, she was 16 years old, and she proceeded to have the weekend from hell, In that she said, Ghislaine Maxwell gave her a topless uh, massage, made her feel quite uncomfortable, and that Jeffrey Epstein um, one morning crawled into bed with her and tried to cuddle. Um, And she said in court, you know, when asked, you know, did did she think that this was sexual abuse? She said, yeah, I did, because what it did was it it deliberately confused boundaries. And it's not normal behavior, and uh, when her, back in the day, her sister Maria, who obviously was in her 20s and older, and had worked with Jeffrey uh, for, I think, a year or so. She had an experience in Ohio where she said that gillen was in the room, but, but asleep, or pretending to be asleep, and yet somehow holding her hand. So, you know, again, weird. And that Jeffrey had sort of groped her and that she'd had to run into a room and phone her father who took a long time, most of the night to come and get her and that she then had to walk down this very long driveway with her dog. And it sounded sort of a, a harrowing. So, you know, these were two really unpleasant stories. Now, obviously they're not the stories we now know about of um, massages, um, sexualized massages of 14 year olds, um, they're not stories about uh, recruiting trips but they are stories that are unpleasant and uncomfortable at best. And um, the issue is that once Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine, I had to fax Ghislaine uh, questions about Annie Farmer's allegations and she phoned me up we had a deeply unpleasant conversation which was off the record so I can't share with you the details other than say she obviously she denied massaging any Farmer quite vehemently. Jeffrey, Once Jeffrey Epstein discovered that I had spoken to the farmers and that I had spoken to with other people including a former business colleague of his who was then in jail and he really didn't want that for his association with the, that man made public either. He went he went very aggressively on the offensive and issued all sorts of threats to me. And I was pregnant at the time. And uh, the threat said he'd have his witch doctor place a curse on my unborn children. And also asked very unnerving questions about where I was giving birth and who my doctors were. And he started to talk to me about my vaginal canal and said he had a dossier on me <clears throat> and my husband he could get my husband fired and uh, that uh, he was going to sue me personally if I wrote anything that he didn't like. And it just went um, on and on um, day after day. Um, And, you know, in hindsight, I mean, at the time I was living it and I was in it and I did begin to wonder, you know, just, who was I dealing with? I mean, how, you know, could he live up to his threats? I mean, who, you know, where did the money come from? You know, was this man incredibly dangerous?
0: Well.
1: Well, 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 how about and there that? there
0: she goes until part two.
1: It's a big two-parter. It's a big number two-parter. It's
0: a big number two. We can't say the number two without saying number two. In that we way. Can't say that number two. It's
1: true. Look, two and two.
0: Okay, great woman. I love Vicky, and I think there are there's loads of thought fodder in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what she said was really interesting, and it's it's very interesting to have an investigative journalist like Vicky who actually has kind of links to the key players in this story and actually knew them and i think you know it's very interesting that she had this idea this sense that jizzy jizz was this sort of like dilettante who sort of floated from expensive luxury event to expensive luxury penthouse to expensive luxury whatever um just sort of drifting apparently sort of living this high life But the reality is she has learned in the trial that she was working fucking hard for it. She was effectively running Epstein's office. She was arranging for shit like, yeah, you know, sand and palm trees to be delivered to one of his um, Caribbean islands that he didn't think was sandy enough or palm tree-y enough. And she was working a nine to five job, just at least uh, managing his affairs. And um, and all the time trying to create this impression, I think because nobody like Jelaine Maxwell wants to be thought of as being doing, having to do anything as vulgar as work. So she was trying to create this impression of this sort of, um, yeah, you know, dilettante sort of lady of leisure who sort of floated around these very rich men and did, did good works and sort of drifted in from one showbiz gala event to another. And that wasn't the truth.
0: Well, she's actually at 59, And you're on trial like this, you're under the spotlight, she's doing remarkably well. And I think the, I know that sounds weird because she's been in prison for a year and these are horrific charges and she's going to go down for a long time if uh, found guilty. But to say things like um, she doesn't want to testify because the arguments against her are unproven are quite bold. And it's quite unusual. And that's what I found about this. Unusual and sort of suspect and murky. You know, how did these two get their money? You know, he transferred 30 million to her and that was the stuff he was trying to keep above board, she said in one of, uh, Vicky Ward said in one of her articles. It's, invest- it's called Investigator. About how they got their cash and how they managed it. And there were lots of question marks about the whole thing. You know, let alone what she's, I think, difficulty, for-
1: the, I think the difficulty here for the prosecution, and I suspect the reason that Jelaine Maxwell has decided not to give evidence, obviously on instruction from her lawyers, is that all we really are hearing about is the horrible personality, horrible life and horrible crimes of Jeffrey Epstein. And I, I can see the defense's point that, yes, all these horrible things happened to these poor young women who have been left traumatized, but they were done by Jeffrey Epstein. And what the prosecution is trying to do is say, look, Jeffrey Epstein killed himself in prison. We can't get him now. So let's just, we've got to get somebody. Somebody has to be blamed. Somebody has to pay. So let's just go after Jelaine Maxwell because she was close to him. And I think what the defense has been doing um, with the evidence of various people who uh, worked for her or worked with her, um, like, you know, his chauffeur, like his butler, like um, uh, his, the sort of like administrative assistant. His uh, bum Similia wiper. Spinoza. His what?
0: His bum wiper.
1: <laughs> his bum wiper. <laughs> Did <you> know that?
0: <laughs> Did you know that ancient Egyptians actually had bum wipers?
1: Yeah, of course they do. I mean, and so do old people. Now.
0: <laughs> well, I can understand that. <laughs> when they have
1: carers, they have bum wipers too. Would you
0: have, if, like, out of choice, would you? Oh, that's... Like, I'm not going to ask you something like
1: that. Are <laughs> you going to ask me who I want wiping my bum when I'm holding in
0: <laughs> Luckily, that's somebody else's Actually, problem. bless her,
1: my eldest daughter's already volunteered to do it. In fact, she's looking forward to it. Why? I don't know. It's bonkers. I mean, she's a, she's a tattooist by profession. But before she became a tattooist, she spent the summer working after university and she worked in sort of like um, social care for a while, just driving around to old people's houses. She would cook them a meal. She would help wash them and clean them. And she, and she said she often had to wipe their bums. And she said she didn't mind it at all. She said she, looked like, she loved caring for them. They were very grateful. They were lovely old people. And she said she, as a summer job, she actually really enjoyed it.
0: Your home environment obviously stood her in good stead.
1: <laughs> apparently yeah oh, you yeah. shut
0: yourself again josie.
1: dad <laughs> sorry josie can you come and wipe my bum please i'm too fat to reach it
0: <laughs> oh i should start hanging around See, <laughs> she's like i'm getting on the road to infirmary. anyway,
1: <laughs> anyway so i i mean i don't know if julaine maxwell ever actually wiped jeffrey epstein's bum
0: <laughs> although that's but... something that people are saying it's something that's come out about the photographs that they've seen of her like hanging off him is kind of suggesting that he really wasn't interested and that's what Vicky suggests yeah. as well that she just wanted what did she say she'd unrequited bum wipe love unrequited bum wiping we've all been there
1: <laughs> <laughs> you what well, you wipe mine and I'll wipe yours
0: <laughs> you wipe mine and I'll tell you to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You I bet there are mine. a few people nodding at home. I'll leave you what?
1: You wipe <laughs> mine, I'll leave you with the tatlocks. You know what tatlocks are?
0: <laughs> I think you mean dingleberry.
1: No, tatlocks are what sheep have, aren't they? When they sort of, <laughs> they shit. <it. laughs> yes, And then it all, it all gets encrusted around the sort the of like fleecy bit on their Everyone's asses.
0: got their own word for it.
1: Oh yeah, and you you call it, I thought dingleberries were piles. Are they? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> cool. Google it. New pet Google name. can be your friend.
0: New pet name. Other <laughs> than Royd,
1: what Lady Dingleberry?
0: <laughs> it beats Mitzi Royd pants <laughs> <laughs>
1: with her Royd rage. Okay, I think actually you're right and I'm wrong. Tatlock doesn't necessarily seem to be Dingleberries, but Dingleberries definitely are.
0: Dingleberries.
1: <laughs> Thank you. You were correct.
0: <laughs> Klingons. See,
1: see how I acknowledge that. <clears throat> anyway, Klingons. What what, Klingons on the starboard bow?
0: <laughs> Terrorist Klingons on the starboard bow.
1: <laughs> I liked, oh, I, the other thing I also liked about talking back to Jizzy Jizz and her relationship with Epstein, and I say that I liked it, I found it fascinating, mm. is this whole way that, you know, she literally seemed to take all this humiliation. For mm. example, <laughs> um, <laughs> we <left> when <laughs> when um, when this um, assistant, um, uh, um, Cymbali Espinosa um, was working for him. She described how when when some potential new girlfriend for Ep- Jeffrey Epstein would come and visit... um
0: Epstein? Jeffrey
1: Jes- <laughs> Jes- Epstein. When some potential new girlfriend for Jeffrey Epstein would come visit, all of Jelaine Maxwell's photos were turned down. And the other one was even better, which is there was an, an, a Norwegian heiress with the wonderful name Selina Middelfart. <clears throat>
0: We didn't Epstein. snigger at that.
1: Epstein was apparently wooing, and uh, and she, um, the assistant, was ordered to send flowers twice from him to to Lady Middlefart, um, <laughs> without Ghislaine Maxwell knowing.
0: Do you think Ghislaine was backfart? She was middlefart, and then somebody else moved into frontfart position.
1: <laughs> Fannyfart. <laughs> Jizz was fanny fart and silly. was Oh, you was gave me fart.
0: another name for Quim Quirk Quirk. Queef. Fan- queef.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Selena Queef.
0: Okay. Middle fart queef. <laughs> it's double <laughs> Selena parallel.
1: Middle fart queef. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's quite the name, isn't it? Quite the handle.
0: I think if you said that in Tiffany or something, they'd be like, oh, Lady Oh, fart Lady <laughs> Selena Middle fart queef. Can Please, have leave. a complimentary quantro. <laughs> <laughs>
1: complimentary quantro. Some moist towels.
0: <laughs> I bet her towel was moist after that. Absolutely. So well, no, is that, Jiz- of that? Because was because we've got another part of Jizzy Jizz coming up? Jizzy Jizz was that point... fart.
1: Front no, Jizzy Jizz was low fart. Selena was middle fart, and then somebody else will be top fart.
0: Okay, I think we've milked the farts.
1: <laughs> Jeffrey Epp fart.
0: <laughs> is this the farty episode for I before I think Christmas? it is the farty episode.
1: <laughs> I bet she pronounces it something like Meidel fared." Just to try to make it not sound like yes. middle fart.
0: Because <laughs> otherwise, it'd be on the phone, and then they go noom, and you go middle fart.
1: Sorry, <laughs> middle fart. Ah, uh, middle oh, of course, Lady Middle come in. Wipers.
0: Doesn't sound like fart at all now. <laughs> How bad would your name have to be before you changed it?
1: Well, middle fart's probably
0: kind of tied <laughs> up there. <laughs> Right down there, mm. down there with the worst. <laughs> now I often think if I was called something like Higginbottom or something, I'd just change my name.
1: <laughs> well, to middle fart. <laughs>
0: to Middlesfart
1: or oh, Mitzi. <laughs> Mitzi Fart.
0: <laughs> Mitzi fart. Side Fart. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you like to get a hitman out on? <laughs>
1: present company included (laughs) this is a great story so in 2005 a guy called bob innes bought a website domain name called rentahitman.com this was in the dot-com era and he was a business school student in north carolina and he was thinking he'd advertise website traffic analysis service the idea of the hit not being to kill somebody, but in this context, supposedly being a nod to clicks that would come in on a client's website. Um, it wasn't hormone. <laughs> Replacement therapy or HIT or anything. That's HRT, isn't it? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said it was simply a play on words when contacted for an interview. But then little did he know that come 2021, he would have been involved in hundreds of legal cases, handing people to the police for trying to solicit assassin services. Uh, this week, one woman was found guilty after trying to have her husband killed via innis's <laughs> website. So So nothing had happened. So he bought this Hmm. website in 2005. Nothing happened. But then in 2010, five years after he sort of bought this dormant website, he just happened to click on the sort of email notification thing. And he saw he had this inbox full of inquiries from people saying, I'm looking for a hitman. Can you find me one? And so there was a woman called Helen, who actually was a Brit, who had said she'd moved to Calendar. Her husband, she thought, had diddled her out of things. And so she wanted three she'd lost her passport. she was stuck in canada and she wanted three of her three members of her family in the uk murdered for um diddling her out of her inheritance so he didn't he ignored the first email from her then the second came in which included more details and corroborating information so <laughs>
0: <laughs> i've been thinking i'd quite like it done like this
1: yeah quite yeah i want them Slowly. to suffer. I don't want it done quickly. I want them to suffer. <laughs> so he then replied to her, Do you still require assistance? We can put you in contact with a field operative using all the jargon. Um
0: That makes me then- think of Dormice.
1: And so, so he got this information out of this woman and then she basically handed it all over to the cops who went and arrested her and discovered that she was actually wanted in the UK for a variety of quite serious charges. So, I mean, so he did a public service there, really. And so what he's done is since then, he's left this website running and every now and then some idiot like a sort of a fly in a venus flytrap, drops in and says i want somebody to take i want to take a hit out on someone can you help me and he sort of lures them in and then pans them over to the cops but the joke is that (laughs) there are lots of clues on the website that it might not be the real deal it's like the main banner heading apparently says this is your point and click solution (laughs) it also says that it's um, provides services to children and assures readers that they are protected by the Hitman Information Privacy Protection Act, <laughs> or HIPAA.
0: <laughs> I'd really like to do their marketing.
1: <laughs> you want them hit? We can hit them for you. Mm. How would you? What? Would you, okay. How would you market them?
0: I'd say I'd like to write the profiles for all the different people you could hire. And there could be somebody called Glenn Medeiros as his, like, pseudonym. And then they could put no, one-hit wonder.
1: One-hit wonder. Very good. <laughs> I, I, I'd like sort of, you know, so Mason... See, I did McC- that in
0: 20 seconds. Imagine what I could do with a few minutes' time. I'd
1: like... I'd like one called sort of like Mason McCorrigal. You know, he he, he might not... Um, he goes against all the rules, but he gets the job done. And if those idiots at City Hall don't like it, they can just swivel on their pencils or something, you know.
0: Yeehaw! God, you should be right in there.
1: I don't know. I think Glenn Medeiros, <laughs> the one-hit wonder, is better.
0: <laughs> so do I.
1: <laughs> or we could do it together and be the hit man and her.
0: Well, the thing is, I was wondering, I had my... Uh... Fingers crossed there that it wouldn't come out that I'd uh, put in a petition to get a hit out on a certain bald man in Cambridgeshire. (laughs) (laughs) I'd arrange for you to have a Viking death strung up by your feet.
1: Okay, that sounds like fun.
0: (laughs) They said no, it'd be too much trouble.
1: (laughs) It will not be a very Merry Christmas for me.
0: (laughs) Um, But of course you'd escape.
1: Talking of Christmas, we're taking a bit of a break, aren't we?
0: No, because I thought we were going to do a quiz, but we didn't do it, did we? We're
1: going to have the second part of Vicky as well, aren't we? So maybe we'd have the yeah. second part of Vicky and mm-hmm. just a quiz.
0: Okay, and we can I can just buy a true crime magazine and we can do it out of that. <laughs> okay. Like well, last well, time. <laughs> oh, I thought you
1: made them all up yourself. I no, was well, really I did prepared. actually,
0: because it, um, it was bespoke. Was it, it was bespoke. I hate the word bespoke. Why? It makes me think of Savile Row. Well, what's wrong with Savile Row? Just... Annoying people Go and get a suit made somewhere else
1: Okay <laughs> I'm not planning to get a suit made But okay
0: I don't know It's a bit show-offy It's a bit like A board. There are certain types of people Who say it
1: Yeah but hang on I mean There's loads of things in life That show-offy I mean Having you? a fancy car Is show-offy or a,
0: That's what having... I don't understand With you You're a massive show-off But you've never had a fancy car
1: That's true I, fancy not, ladies I, I don't really feel the need For a fancy car And also I can't afford one
0: I mean, No. Really looks one. How much you you? I can afford a modestly
1: fancy one But not a super fancy one
0: What kind of thing Could you afford If you want No but look There are tons of chavs Around here Who've got Cars. I reversed into one the other day, for example. <laughs> this, this what, like, in your shitty car, big, yeah. This big sort of Jana Chav in his low suspension BMW. I reversed into him in the co-op car park, <laughs> and um, and I got out and I was like expecting the whole London thing of him to just go. Are you going to pay me now and try and fleece me, or we'll go through insurance and everyone's going to be unhappy? And he was like, "Don't worry about it, love." I was like, "Oh, that's nice." Yeah, but I just thought, and I keep seeing him around, and like. Going, Hi. <laughs> mm-hmm. In his Alpine Sport. Alpine is it, Sport. Is it, is it
1: naughty? Is it dropped down and sort of like with the the um, wheel arches virtually covering the wheels? So it looks I super didn't know naughty. which
0: bit of the damage I could have done on that front mm. spoiler.
1: <laughs> you probably improved it.
0: Anyway, my drug dealer car can do some damage as well.
1: <laughs> What's your drug dealer? Car? He obviously
0: realised I was a fellow hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> on the Ivory Bridge crime scene.
1: Yeah, yeah but if he, if, he, if he thought you were a fellow Hoodie and he'd crashed into his car, then you wouldn't be showing him enough respect, would you?
0: Well, I, I was cowering when I got out of the car, so I think <laughs> I showed him that he was the big kahuna around here. Big
1: kahuna.
0: <laughs> Although I, I'd like to put out for some county lines work if there is any around here, because <laughs> I really need the extra cash for Christmas. <laughs> What are you doing for Christmas?
1: What in terms of what am I? What, where am I going to be?
0: Is your I'm dad to... cooking?
1: No, he's he's off to Düsseldorf.
0: What's he doing in Düsseldorf? Is he going <laughs> to he visit had... Princess Middlefart?
1: I believe he has a lady friend there.
0: She's not called Fart, is she? <laughs> no, she, she?
1: She's she's called Marina Fart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Marina Farkins.
1: <laughs> Marina, Marina Fartberg. <laughs>
0: Oh, marina's been on the go for a while hasn't she
1: uh, yeah she has that's right does she well, have I'll a marina able... coil fitted i don't, I don't
0: know <laughs> is that her personal business
1: <laughs> i don't think she for a swim in her marina
0: <laughs> well that's clearly what, Oh, aren't you gonna miss your old dada
1: i well up to a point
0: yeah uh, <laughs> that's a no <laughs> <Never> <laughs> what mind. are you gonna do who's gonna cook
1: I don't know. I mean, I'll do a bit of cooking. I'm going on Christmas Eve. I'm doing the traditional trip to Cambridge with my daughters to do all my Christmas shopping. Um,
0: That sounds nice. It's not a proper Christmas present
1: unless it's bought on Christmas Eve.
0: Oh, God, I had to be organised about it because I've got to do car journeys. So I can't do any shopping on Christmas Eve. I know I'm driving on Christmas Eve.
1: Oh, driving funny. home
0: for Christmas. Are you going up to London? i <laughs> going to, actually, my sister's, which is just outside. And um, and then London on Christmas Day and then back. So I'll be fucking the knackered for Boxing Day. And that means that the cooking will be shared, so I don't have to do most of it myself. I'll just do a bit of washing up.
1: OK, that's
0: nice. I know. I'm actually looking forward to it just days in my pyjamas. All right, see you next Tuesday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> quite <laughs> indeed yo what's the address Eo? Uh, i don't know yo
0: <laughs> you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com
1: so i will see i will chat to you next time yay
0: okay well well done me for setting all that up and well, well done actually well up. done listeners for listening yeah. Uh, no, actually, no, yeah. I, actually, I
1: should say, well done for setting that up with, with Vicky in America. It was really cool. And it's really great to talk to somebody who's right in there on the case and everything as well. It's really good.
0: Yeah, we didn't do the usual let's go for an update, but let's go for an update, shall we?
1: Uh, quite. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.